Hey guys, welcome to One Church. How y'all doing? Fantastic. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really excited about the starting of this new series, What Would Jesus Say? Before we launch into it, let me just do a quick shout out to three different groups of people. Number one, if you're a first-time guest here with us, we want to say thanks for coming. So can we give it up for our first-time guests? You guys are awesome. We know there's a lot of different churches you could have went to, and you chose to come to a church that meets in a school. So we're excited about that. Also, our VIPs are very important here at One Church, our volunteers. They make everything happen. So can we give it up for our volunteers? You guys are awesome. And then lastly, for those people who are following along on our online campus and are interacting with Matt today, who's on the computer, we want to say a huge shout out to you guys. We're starting this series entitled, What Would Jesus Say To? And I'm really excited about this. I've been wanting to do this series literally for years. Because here's the cool thing about Jesus. Just when his followers thought they got him figured out, Jesus would say something and would throw a big monkey wrench in everything. And I, just, I love that. I love that Jesus didn't buddy up to the smug religious leaders of that day. Uh, he he didn't. He, he kind of talked with them and confronted them with authority and power with his words. The people he loved hanging out with are was the pro- prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, the people who were messy, the people who didn't have it all figured out. Those are the people that were that really flocked to Jesus, and those are the people that Jesus liked hanging out with. So as we're talking about this, we're going to be dealing with some messy people, but the cool thing about it is all of us in here are messy. Are we not? We are. We are. We just are. And let me just say this. This series isn't about slamming celebrities. It it isn't about that. I'm not going to slam anyone because I really do believe that it's about looking at real people because every one of these people we're going to be looking at, they have good things, they have negative things, just like you and I. In fact, one of the things you think, well, how can, that's kind of presumptuous that you would kind of even think to know what Jesus would say to some of these people. Well, let me give you a verse that I'm really kind of theming this entire series off of, and it's John 3.17. We all know John 3.16, right? We see it at football games and everything. Here's John 3.17. Jesus says this, God sent his son, that's Jesus, into the world, what? Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Exactly right. Thank you so very much. To save the world. So I don't believe that Jesus would condemn any of these folks. I believe that Jesus would sit down and have a one-on-one, heart-to-heart talk because Jesus loves them just like he loves you and me. Today, we're going to be talking about what would Jesus say to Katy Perry. Now, the cool thing about Katy Perry is this. She, there's just some people that are just likable, right? I mean, some people, you may not even know them. You may know them from afar. You may, you may not even know, care what they do or what they say, but they're just likable. And I got to be honest with you, that's Katy Perry. I have a confession to make. I am a closet Katy Perry fan. Just give you a heads up. Some of you, like fifth group people, give me your man card. It's revoked, right? I'm, I don't know. I'm just telling you, my wife, she loves running. And I was first introduced to Katy Perry by my wife because she has to have these songs that are BPM beats per minute, right? And uh, she had thrown a couple of Katy Perry songs. I'm like, I really like that. That is really, really good. Katy Perry is a really likable person. And I'll tell you, she has great music. She has really good lyrics and some not so good lyrics. And we're going to just be able to look at some of, those, some of those ideas behind her lyrics. But here's the thing. A lot of her lyrics 
of her songs are kind of spiritual. In fact, even have a downright Christian overtone to them. And the reason why? It's no coincidence because she grew up in a Christian home. I want to show you a clip about some of her past from her movie, uh, A Part of Me. Really good movie. Y'all watch this. Being a kid in my household consisted of going to a lot of church activities and hanging out with a lot of church kids and anything that had to do with God was a-okay. Come on, raise your hand. If you're born again, a child of God, you have Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You are the sheep and he is the shepherd. The presence of God in my life was absolute. Our parents were traveling ministers for many years and still are, and so we would travel with them a lot. Almost every year or every two years we'd move. It was always a new environment, new school. We were so engulfed in 100% Pentecostal Christianity. I had no idea that other people weren't like how our family was. We weren't allowed to eat Lucky Charms because luck is of Lucifer. I couldn't watch the Smurfs growing up. I didn't know who Michael Jackson was until I was like 14. The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, all banned. I think Sister Act 2 was the only movie that she was allowed to see. Not Sister Act 1, and I don't know why. You'd have to ask her parents. Of course, every parent wants the best for their children. And I guess we just sort of put barriers up. To, we didn't want them to get them involved in things that would get them, you know, hurt them in early years. The guy that was preaching at the revivals, he came up to me out of, you know, a few thousand people and said, you know, you're going to sing. Many people in the world will never truly be so free. Yeah. Only reason not to live is Christ come down. these little ditties that would go round and round in my head and singing in the shower or just singing as I was walking along the streets of Santa Barbara. So I asked for a guitar at 13 for my birthday and that's when I really started writing songs. I did a gospel record when I was 15. For her to be making a Christian record was basically her becoming Michael Jackson in our family. <laughs> To me, that was becoming successful. But it was really tough because the only kind of music that I was allowed to listen to was Christian music. You know, her, her pastors, uh, uh, excuse me, both of her parents were traveling pastors. Something interesting, um, she will say that she always ate angel eggs, never deviled eggs which I thought was interesting. Um, she started singing at the age of nine, got her first guitar at age 13, and in 2001, she actually had a gospel album that sold a whopping 100 CDs. Wow, right? It was a bust. Then from there, she decided to move to Hollywood uh, where she was going to jumpstart her, her music career, and that's exactly what happened. She blew up. She became a big deal. But yet, as you listen to her lyrics, her Christian heritage is, is still very much a part of her belief system, though it's hodgepodge. 
Before she went off into the pop music world, she was a worship leader. In fact, you can see some of those overtones in some of her lyrics. One of my favorite songs is her song, Wide Awake. You ever heard that? I'm wide awake. It's just catchy, right? And I'm not going to sing it, all right? So anyway, but this is a, a part of the lyrics from her song, Wide Awake. I'm wide awake. Yeah, I'm born again. Out of the lion's den, I don't have to pretend. I'm wide awake. Right, all right. And then uh, uh, one of the songs off of her new album, Prism. In fact, there's kind of three songs. It has a lot of spiritual overtones. This song unconditionally says this. I will love you unconditionally. There is no fear now. Let go and just be free. I will love you unconditionally. It really comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that says uh, that perfect love will cast out all fear. I love that. And when I think of like uh, women in music, I think of people like Mariah, uh, uh, Celine, Madonna, Adele. Uh, but I tell you, Katie has done something that no other female vocalist has done in the history of music dumb. And that is this. She was able in one album to get five number one hits off of one album. And no other a Christian opera, whatever, whatever genre you look at, no other person has done that except one other. And that one other wasn't the Beatles, it wasn't Elvis, it was the king of pop himself, Michael Jackson. This one album, she had five number one hits. And, and, and it's just obvious, people like being around Katie. She's a likable person, and uh, they're drawn to her. But the thing I want to talk about today is what would Jesus say to Katy Perry? Here's what I've discovered about Katie. She loves to be around people. I really believe that she has a sincere heart for her fans. In fact, one of the things that she does at every one of her concerts, her sister that was in that video prior, actually goes out into the crowd and gives away backstage passes so that Katie can be with her fans. In fact, watch a clip of kind of what happens backstage. Nice to meet you. Magda. Nice Magda. to meet you. Yeah. And this is Maya and Eli. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maya and Eli. Yeah. Do they move a lot? Oh, <laughs> <do you> have... <laughs> oh, I missed something in your belly. Wow. It's my daughter. That is so crazy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you so much. Yeah. Oh my God. But my name is Emily it is obvious that Katie likes people, and she loves spending time with her fans. She's very hands-on with them. She hugs them. She touches them. She loves her fans. She wants to be a part of them. She wants to give her fans access to her life. Well, here's the thing. What if Katy Perry gave access to her life and gave Jesus a backstage pass? What if... Katie said, hey, Jesus, you know, come backstage. I want to hang out with you. I want to give you some time where you can speak into me and give me some access to my life. What are some of the things that Jesus would say to Katy Perry? Well, I believe that Jesus would say a lot of things to Katy Perry, and the first one would probably be something like this. Hey, Katie, you know what? You actually have a, you and I have a lot in common. I see a lot of you in me, and I know that just like you, I made you, Katie. And there are some things that I specifically like about you. The first thing Jesus would say to Katy Perry would be this. I like your independence. I like your independence. You're a very independent person. You like to be different. You like to stand out, Jesus would say. I can relate with that. 
When I spent my time here on earth, I stood out a little bit as well. I was pretty independent. I actually did a lot of things that were very countercultural. And you know, I like that about you, Katie, because I made you unique. You are independent. I created you that way. But Katie, I got to be honest with you. Independence really does come from a dependence on me. True independence really comes from your dependency on me. You see, when you're not dependent upon me, you're really not really being independent at all. You're being just like everybody else. It's through me, Jesus would say, I created you unique. I gave you gifts. I gave you talents. I gave you all that you have. And when you depend upon me, that's when you're really going to discover who you can become. I think Jesus would say that to Katie. And I think Jesus would say that to you and me as well. If Jesus was here today, he would lean in and he would say, you know what, I made you. I gave you, what you who you are and your talents and your abilities and your passions. And I want you to depend upon me. I want you to depend on me. You know, if, if you look at every stage in our life, we always have this quest for independence, right? I mean, when you, when you first have a child, the child is totally dependent. And that's some, I mean, that's great for the first day, right? And then after a while, the child can't do anything. I mean, can't eat, sleep, bathe themselves, change, I mean, use the bathroom. You're, they're all dependent upon you. In fact, new moms want to just pull off their hair, and dads as well. They do. And the good thing about that is eventually the more they grow, guess what's going to happen? They're going to eventually be able to eat by themselves, though it's still messy. They're going to eventually be able to use the bathroom by themselves. And, and I, I totally remember this, this story of my three boys. I mean, just going to school and, and seeing them, and we would take pictures and selfies on our first day. And it was so exciting, right? And it's like, oh, it's so great. But it was the first day of school, kindergarten, and they loved me taking them to school. I got a, I got a son who is a sophomore. If I take him to school now, it's like life is over as we know it, Right? Seriously, and because, you know, he doesn't want dad there, I totally get that. That's the reason why when I drop him off, I'll roll down the window, and I'll sing, I love you, I love, it's wonderful. I am that parent, right? I totally am, right? Uh, But, I mean, he wants his independence, and you know what? That's okay. God has created us so that the older and more mature we get, the more independent we become. That's okay. In fact, this past summer, my son, he wanted to start driving, so he got his learner's permit. So he has his learner's permit. So all I'm just giving you a heads up is stay off the sidewalk, right? But he, he, and he wants to drive. He wants to become more independent. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. God has given each and every one of us that desire, We go off away to school for college. We go off and we get married on the athletic field. And we are trying to separate ourselves. When we go off on the job, we want to separate ourselves. We want to stand out. In fact, watch this clip of Katy Perry. I'm going to set this up a little bit. She is um, just getting started in in her music career. And everybody is wanting her to be the next Kelly Clarkson. Everybody's wanting to be the next Britney Spears. And she's saying, I just want to be the first Katy Perry. And she's performing this song at her concerts. And it's very, very interesting because in this song, people are, have tied her down. And she's trying to move, but they're trying to conform her into being somebody else. So watch this clip. It's a great clip. When we first signed Katie, she had been kind of kicking around for a couple of years. She had 
been signed to a gospel label in Nashville, which failed. She had been on Island Def Jam, dropped. And now she was kind of banking on this deal with Columbia Records to pan out. There was some concern about how to give her a shot in the market and how to give her a point of entry. Right away, they had A&R people telling her who she should be, who she needed to be. One was Errol Levine. Really go for it. You're going to be really angry on this for it. You know, and she was kind of just still in that phase of soaking everything in. But after a while, it just started to get annoying. This is people talking about she should be the next Kelly Clarkson. She should be more like Ashley Simpson, you know. And the whole time, she just kept saying, I just want to be the first Katy Perry. I don't want to be the next anybody. I just want to be the first Katy. I can understand her clothes they didn't understand her personality and they didn't understand her point of view the record wasn't gonna come out and she was signed to the record company and nothing was happening I know and I remember one of the heads of the record company saying you know we really can't drop her because she'll probably go sign somewhere else and become a big star. We just can't have that. thought they should just let her go. It was like holding somebody hostage. It was probably her most desperate moment. Here you find everybody's wanting to conform her, but she's just wanting to be independent. She's trying to separate herself from everyone and just be who God has created her to be, to be the first Katy Perry. And this innate thing inside of us, this independence, is actually something that God has given all of us. But here's where things can get a little messed up. Because in our pursuit of independence, we oftentimes forget about our dependency on God. And when we forget about our dependency on God, we step out of the provision and the protection that God offers. The part of the Bible we're going to be at today is going to be in Luke it's, oh, Luke is a, a guy who actually wrote about Jesus. It's, uh, some people call it the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Or if you have your iPhones or smartphones, you can go there on version, And uh, you can follow along with us. Jesus is talking, and he is going to tell a story in Luke 15 that I really do believe that he, if he was backstage with Katie, he would tell this same story to Katy Perry. Luke 15 gives us the context of Jesus' story, and this is what it says. Luke 15, chapter, chapter 15, verse 1 says, Tax collectors 
and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law what? Complain. Why? Why did they complain? That he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So you got two distinct groups of people here. You've got religious people, and secondly, you've got people that don't really know anything about God at all. You've got prostitutes, drunks, partiers, other dis- disreputable sinners is what it says. And the second group, they loved hanging out with Jesus. They just did. And here's the crazy thing about it. Jesus loved hanging out with them. He did. And that really ticked the religious people off. They thought, if he's so holy, so righteous, such a godly person, how come he doesn't want to hang out with us? And I, I believe, you know, it just, it's frustrating. There was this tension here. And in the midst of this tension, this next verse, verse 3, says this. So Jesus told them this story. Jesus begins to tell a story about a young man. This young man is blessed. He lived in a great home, had a great family, but his des- he has a desire for independence. So what does this young man do, this young son do? He asks his dad, hey, dad, I want my inheritance, but I, wanna, I don't want to wait until you die. I want it now. Hook me up with some moolah, with some money. And look what happens next, verse 13. It says this. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he what? He wasted all his money in wild living. He moves to a distant land. He spends all of his money. He meets a lot of new people, has a lot of new experiences. He has a great time. He's doing well. But when the money ran out, his friends ran out, and they, start, they stop coming around, and he's left with nothing. Because here's what this young man did. He went on to pursue his goals, his dreams, his own thing, and he stepped out of the provision and the protection of his father's house. In our, in our pursuit of independence, we forget that our dependency upon God, and when we forget that, we step out of our, God, our father's house, and we don't get his purpose, his provision, and his protection in your life. You have to stay in his house. You've got to stay in his house. So Jesus, I think, would say to Katie, hey, I get your desire for independence. I get it. But you, I've created you to be independent so that you could be a part of a larger body, the church. So that in your quest for independence, you would still have the provision, the protection, and you would move in the right direction. That's the reason why I created the church. You know, Katie grew up in church. She has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but she has become significantly disengaged with the church. And not just Katie, but so many other people as well. Here's a statistic for you from a book by the name of David Kinneman. That's the author. He wrote this book called You Lost Me. Here's a picture of the cover. You Lost Me, David Kinneman. He says this, that 70% of all Young people who grow up in church, once they graduate high school, 70% of them leave the church and sometimes the faith. In a recent study, David Kinneman would say this. He spent the last five years really exploring the lives of these young people who drop out of church. And he, his research really does provide us with a lot of insight. And in this book, You Lost Me, Why Young Christians Are Leaving the Church and Rethinking Faith, look at some of these statistics. One out of nine, that's 11%, 
loses faith in Christianity. That means they leave the church, they leave the faith, they are gone. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that was you. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and it was like something happened and you hit a wall. Look at this next statistic. Four out of ten, that's 40%, leave the church but still call themselves Christians. So they don't leave the faith, they just leave the church. Roughly four out of ten. And you'll hear them saying things like, I I just don't feel it anymore. Or, you know, it's just not relevant for me. And something happens once they graduate high school, they go to college, or maybe they go into the work field, and it's like, you know what, I don't have enough time. Look at this next statistic. Two out of ten, that's 20%, disconnect from church and express frustration about church culture and how church disconnects with society in real life. i got to be honest with you. I was that two out of ten. I'm going to tell you my story here in a little bit. But they just get frustrated with the church. Last one. Three out of ten, 30%, actually stay in church. Only three out of ten people will actually stay connected to a local church and remain faithful to Christ. David Kinneman concludes in this, in this quote. Listen to what he says. The reality of the dropout problem is not about a huge exodus of young people from the Christian faith. In fact, it is about the various ways that young people have become disconnected in their spiritual journey. Church leaders and parents cannot effectively help the next generation in their spiritual development without understanding these patterns. And listen to his last sentence here. The conclusion from our research is that most young people with a Christian background are dropping out of church, not losing their faith. That's where Katy Perry is. She's like most young people who are so frustrated with one-sided communication in church. They're frustrated with a faith formula. They're frustrated with a church answering questions nobody is asking. And if you ask our younger generation, they'll say leaving church was less an intentional choice, but more of a slow fade that happened over weeks, months, maybe even years. Listen to one of the lyrics from Katy Perry's songs. It's entitled Lost. Listen to the desperation in these lyrics. Have you ever been so lost, known the way, and still so lost? My mother says I should come back home, but I can't find the way because the way is gone. So if I pray, am I just sending words into outer space? God understands our desires to be independent. He understands our desire to kind of set ourselves apart from everybody. But what God would tell Katy Perry, and he would tell you and me, as though I've given you that desire for independence, so I've given you that desire to be kind of separate yourselves from the crowd. Do not separate yourselves from me or the church. Don't do it. Because if you do, it's not going to go well for you. That's our big idea today. No matter how many steps you take away from God, you're only one step from coming home. Can we say that out loud? No matter how many steps you take away from God, you're only one step from coming home. Here's the cool thing about God. God is everywhere. There's a churchy word, a theological word, means he's, he's sovereign, he's everywhere, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, but he is everywhere. And the cool thing about it, when we run away from God, the only thing we have to do to come to God is stop where we're at and take a step back towards him. Because he is right there. He is everywhere. This generation gets frustrated with religion and how the church has been pushed to the margins of society. And I used to be that person. Let me tell you my story. I remember growing up in church, 
And, uh, I, I, you know, you'd have to dress up on Sunday morning, and I would wear suits and ties. Y'all remember ties, don't you? All right. Um, so... I wear ties, ties at funerals and weddings, and, and sometimes I'm very, you know, my, my wife wants me to dress up. So anyway, but uh, man, I tell you, I, I, I loved going to church. It was fun. It was a great time. But I would go to Sunday night church. Anybody remember Sunday night church? Anyone besides me? All right. I love Sunday night church, and here's the reason why. Because I didn't have to wear a tie, and I could wear jeans. Ah, right? Just saying. And you know what? The Sunday night music was always a little bit more hipper. Um, or more upbeat than the Sunday morning, you know what I'm saying? I just always thought, how come the church, how come Sunday morning church can't be more like Sunday night church? And I would get frustrated in this. I ended up staying in the church, but I got frustrated with the culture. What's so cool is seven years ago, that church, that same church hired me to start a church in North Clarksville. And that's, that's how one church began, to reach people that nobody else was reaching. And that means we got to do things that really nobody else is doing. We have to be able to talk about faith in real life and the Bible and church, but do it so in such a way that people can understand it, where it's relevant. Because that truth is always relevant, but many times how we present it isn't. So it's this goal. That was our, that was our passion, and that is our passion. Parents, this should really get you thinking because it's, you know, it's great and fine to have your kids pursue the sports thing. It's great and fine to have your kids pursue the music thing or the educational thing. But here's the thing on this. You, if you don't get your kids pursuing the church thing, then they're going to miss out on the provision and the protection and the direction that God has for them. They will. They will. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your child onto the right path, right? And when they are older, they will not leave it. You know, at OneChurch.tv, we work really hard. We spend thousands of dollars every year on our children's environments. In fact, you're kind of at a place that this is your first time with us today. We shut down all of our children's environments for two weeks right before the school starts up because we are revamping everything, right? Because we want to restart something new so that your kids will be drawn into it. And if you, if you have students, our student ministry is going to be starting back on Wednesday nights. We have 100-plus kids every Wednesday night. And the way, the way we do things is we want them to be drawn into having a relationship with God. That's huge. So I think what Jesus would say, independence is okay, but still be dependent upon me. The second thing I think Jesus would say to Katy Perry would be this. You know what? The pursuit of your independence is a good thing, but only when it's a God thing. Only when it's a God thing. Second thing I think Jesus would say to Katie would be this. You know, you are really creative. You know, I love some of your lyrics and your, your stage props and everything. And it's just the way you do your hair. It's just, it's really creative. The set, the set designs, the costumes, it's so creative. It's incredible. It takes some great artistry. It takes a great mind to come up with those things, I think Jesus would say. I like your cre- creativity, Katie. And you know what? I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm kind of creative myself. Have you seen the platypus? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a creative person. In fact, one of the names people call me is creator. And the reason why they do that is because I am very creative as well. But you know, Katie, if I'm going to be honest with you still, your creativity, the creativity that I have given you, has given you a huge platform. It's given you a lot of influence. And I want you to leverage that platform and that influence for me. 
Let's look at this next clip. In this next clip, just it's a lot of different people talking about how Katie has influenced them. Y'all watch this. She just does. I mean, look at her. She gets it all. I love the fact that her lyrics are from life experiences. She tells me to just sparkle and, like, be the light. Stay strong and stay with your vision. You're an individual and you're you. You can't be anyone else because everyone else is already taken. Sometimes when I'm at school, people are kind of mean to me. And I listen to her music and I was like, a light just, like, lit up in me. We all just want to try and blend in and be normal, but Katie tells us that it's okay to stand out. You made me think that being weird is okay. That it's okay to be different and unique and it's okay to express yourself. Have fun in life. Like, you can never take it too seriously. It's just, like, impossible. Her lyrics have inspired me. They've helped me keep on going when I thought that I couldn't. I have a dream in life. And she had a dream, and she made it happen. I want to do something with my life. I want to stand out like a sore thumb. I don't want to just be like everybody else. I don't, I want, I don't want to be a leader, but, you know, then there's all those responsibilities. You know, Katie has a lot of influence. And I think it's, many times it's easy for us to say, well, you know what, we look at somebody like Katie and we thought, you know what, if I had her talent, if I had her ability, if I had her money, then you know what, I would be able to do some great things for God's glory. If I had that type of talent, I would start serving. If I had her type of money, then I would start tithing. And it's easy for us to look at things that other people have, but God wants us to look at the things that he gives us. Jesus is saying to you and to me, I have given you a platform. I have given you influence. The position you have at work, platform. The seat that you have in class, platform. The position that you have on the team, platform. The kids that I blessed you with, platform. I want you to leverage your platform, the platform that I have given you for me. So my question for you is, what is your platform? Some of you are thinking, well, I don't have any influence. I don't have any platform. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know, it doesn't really matter how big or small your platform is. We all have to get to the point in life where we say, you know, no matter how big or how small it is, God, I need it to be more about you and less about me. Because if we're not careful, what we, whatever platform we have, what we're going to get into the trap of, it's gonna, we're going to make it all about us, and we're going to get this thing called platform pride. 
we begin to say, hey, the spotlight is on me. It's my thing. I'm in control of this. That platform pride, when it kind of raises its ugly head, that we say, this is my stage, this is my platform, when we walk out onto that stage, God will walk off every single time. You know, you have this young man that Jesus is talking about in Luke 15. He was blessed. His father did him a huge favor by giving him a lot of nice things. And he had an opportunity to leverage what his father had given him with all of these great things. But instead, he went off and he partied and he lived up life and he squandered his wealth. And he said, hey, this is my platform. And he forgot that it was his father who gave it all to him to begin with. He ended up losing everything, being in a pig pen, wallowing in mud, and wishing that he could have the pig's food. It kind of reminds me of what John the Baptist, uh, the guy right before Jesus, he was kind of a rock star, and he showed up, and everybody wanted to be with John the Baptist, and he had this huge following. People would come out, and he would be in the middle of the desert, and there was this one time, he has literally just hundreds, maybe even thousands of followers, and Jesus shows up, and he says, He is the one. In fact, he said, here is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And here's what he said. Because everybody's going to like, who is this dude? Is this Jesus dude? And everybody starts following Jesus. In fact, even John the Baptist, some of his disciples start following Jesus. And and some of the disciples left around John the Baptist going, what are you going to do, buddy? You're losing it. Here's what John the Baptist said. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. That's John's words. He's saying it isn't about me. It's about Jesus. He understood, John the Baptist understood that God doesn't want to compete with our platform. He wants to complete our our platform because when we actually realize who we are in God, he gives us a purpose. He completes us. We are completed by him. Because God is in the middle of it. God gets the credit. He gets the glory. He is the focus. And when we allow God to be the center of it all, everything just kind of fits in and makes sense. And I believe that God is trying to say to you and to me and to Katie, God, I I I love your creativity. I love your gifts. I gave them to you. I love your talent. I gave them to you. I like your ability. I've given you your ability. I've given you your platform. Now, use that platform and give God the glory. As, Genesis, as Jesus uh, finishes telling this story about this prodigal son in Luke 15, the young man gets to the point where he is in the mud and the dirt feeding pigs, and he realizes, hey, my dad's servants have it better off than I have, so I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to ask, ask, beg my dad's forgiveness, and for him not to even accept me as a son, but just bring me on as a hired servant. So he gets up and he starts going home, and the Bible tells us that when he gets to the road leading up to his father's house, that his father sees him in the distance. What will his father do? How will his father act? How will his father treat him? Will his father disown him? Will his father turn his back on him because he squandered all of his hard-earned money on prostitutes and all of this other stuff? In our last clip that we're going to see today, Katie's sister talks about the the controversy around Katie's very first hit single, I Kissed a Girl, and her parents had a very similar decision to make. Will they reject their daughter? Let's watch this. When Katie decided that I Kissed a Girl was going to be her first single, I said, have you told mom and dad? And she said, no, but can you? I was like, oh, (laughs) ha, 
concern yet because I thought my ministry after 30-something years is over. But you know what? Never had a problem. I think people love the idea of a good girl gone bad. And they think, my parents have disowned me. But that's not the story at all. Hi, Mom. Hi. How do you like it, Mom? What's your favorite song like, Kiss the Girl? No. <laughs> you just love her. No matter what she was singing about or matter what she was doing, she's just a blessing. I really do believe in God. Probably don't believe in all of the same details that my mom believes. But I have a spiritual relationship with God, and it's one-on-one, -on -one and it's continually evolving. Let me read to you the end of the story that Jesus told about this prodigal son. Luke 15, 20 says, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with what? Let me stop right here. Some of you, you've been out of church for a long time. You've been away from God for a long time, and you're wondering, God really must be ticked at me. You want to know what God feels when he looks your direction? Love and compassion, not anger. For God so loved the world. You see, I love this because filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, and even kissed him. And by the way, what did this son smell like? Pigs, mud, slop. The father wasn't afraid to get dirty by embracing his son and restoring this relationship. I love that. Because your heavenly father is not afraid to get dirty when he brings you back home as well. Just like the prodigal son, Katie has done some questionable stuff. Yes, she's struggling in some areas and hasn't always made the wise choice. But Katie's parents haven't disowned her. And neither has Katie's God. How do I know this? Because in the story, in Jesus' story, it's the father who runs to his son. Back to his son. The father didn't care where his son had been. The father was just concerned about where he wanted his son to be. You know, as we close, Katie has a tattoo. She probably has multiple tattoos. But she has a tattoo on her wrist. And what does it say? Jesus. It says Jesus. And this is what Katie has to say about this tattoo. I got this Jesus tattoo on my wrist when I was 18. Because I know that it's always going to be a part of me. When I'm, when I'm playing, it's staring right back at me saying, remember where you came from. You know, the prodigal son, as he was feeding those pigs, he remembered where he had come from. And he went back home. So I really do believe Jesus would wrap up this conversation with Katie. And he would say, Katie, I like your tattoo. That's my name. And Katie... Just as you have my name tattooed on your wrist, I have your name tattooed on my heart. And Katie, I want you to come back home. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. I'm just one step away from you coming back home. You know, I think there are men and women, children, teenagers here today that he would say that exact same thing to you. Because you're thinking, okay, I showed up, I got something in the mailbox, and this is really weird. This is a strange church. And I'll be the first to say we are, all right? We are. 
And if we're not your cup of tea, I could totally understand that. But one of the things I hope you hear very clearly is that God, when he looks your direction, he is filled with love and compassion. Not anger, not hate. He's not frustrated with you. He's filled with love and compassion. And he is inviting you to come home. He's inviting you to sit a while and just be his son or his daughter.